Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 49, Islam Makacha versus Bobby King Green, and Shaq is going down this Saturday night live at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. You got top five future title challenger, Islam Makachev, looking to make it 10 wins in a row against a guy that we have all the respect in the world for and who honestly should be fighting for the BMF belt, uh, Bobby King Green. What an absolute legend of the sport. Uh, should be an exciting fight while it lasts. Yeah, man. I mean, Bobby Green, he, he, you know, he's a, le a legend of the sport. I mean, not maybe achieved, uh, you know, some crazy accomplishments or anything, but we've been following his career since Strike Force, and it's good to see him after that last performance against uh, Nasrat. I mean, that bludgeoning where he left his face looking like, uh, you know, chunks hanging off. I mean, it's glad that they reward him with the main event spot. I mean, now it's a, a fill-in fight. We know not too many people are going to fight Islam Makachev on short notice. Uh, I mean, you need a, you usually need a full camp to, to prepare for some grappling like that, so Props to Bobby, man. Um, win or lose, he's a he's a G in this game. And, and Islam, man, this is a good opportunity to, you know, if you're really the number one contender, come out here and, and finish this guy. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, the fight doesn't go the distance. It's currently plus two fifty. Excuse me, the fight goes the distance is plus two fifty. So it'll be interesting to see if Bobby can survive these five rounds. Uh, you know, Bobby is historically ext an extremely durable and tough guy only been finished once in the ufc by you know the number ranked uh lightweight contender dustin the diamond poria via knockout i don't i don't think that islam is gonna you know drop him standing but this fight hits the mat you know we talked about it last week you know the, the first takedown might not land the first three takedowns might not land but islam will be there for that fourth fifth sixth and seventh and i'm curious to see how bobby uh reacts you know when they're both tired so i cannot wait to break down this whole car start to finish and everybody smash that like button for us. And without further ado, let's get down to business, man. Because first up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Victor Altamirano. He's 10 and 1. And he's taking on Carlos Hernandez, who is 7 and 1. And currently they got Carlos Hernandez minus 140. The comeback on Victor Altamirano is plus 120. Uh, so both these guys were on contender series. And they both had very spirited efforts. You know, Carlos Hernandez, he's a guy actually trains in Chicago with Bilal Muhammad, with Ignacio Bahamandez, with that whole crew. Um, and, you know, under Lewis Taylor. And I even spoke to Lewis Taylor about him. And Lewis always flies straight with me about if guys are focused, if guys, if this and that. He told me this kid has a dream and a passion and this kid's in there every single day. And he didn't even have to tell me that. All I had to do was watch his fight with Daniel Perez on contender series which to this day i mean look it might not have been sodic yusuf versus mike davis it might not it might not have been you know uh howley and paiva versus nascimento but i would say it's like top five or top 10 best contender series fights i've ever seen i mean him and barez barez he's, he's a kid from spain they had this absolute dog fight that came down to to the final the final seconds man and hernandez really dug deep and it, it was truly an impressive performance to the point where during that fight i mean i was tweeting like let's get let's sign both these guys let's get them both in there with like a tim elliott right now that's how i felt about their levels at the time whereas with victor altamirano i mean look he's a mexican warrior and one thing he brings to the table besides his incredible heart and his opportunistic finishing ability is he's, you know, kind of a taller man for the flyweight division. You know, he's five foot eight. He's got the 70 and a half inch reach. And 
let me emphasize, he's a Mexican fighter. He's not going to go down with a, without a fight. So what, what's interesting about his fight with Carlos Candelario was it was actually the first fight in Contender Series history where both guys got signed, the, the winner and the loser. And the reason being is that a lot of us thought Carlos Candelario actually won the first two rounds of that fight. But Victor Altamirano showed that Mexican heart, came back and really put it on him in the third. Um, ends up winning the, the split decision. Controversial, but Dana was so impressed he signed both guys. Now, you know how I talk about Dana, what what he says, you know, after these contender series fights. I was surprised he didn't sign that Daniel Baires kid um, from Spain, you know, after the Carlos Hernandez fight. I thought, hey, if you can give, you know, Candelario a, a shot, why not give uh, Baires a shot too? But, you know, maybe he'll get one down the line. But the bottom line here is my issue with, um, with uh, Alta Morano is this is that he's very content to you know not stuff the takedowns he's overly confident in you know his ability to get submissions off his back you know he submitted Lloyd uh, McKinney with a triangle choke and uh, but here's the thing you gas out on a guy like Victor Alta Morano and, and he's he's gonna go full Mexican on you man I mean like he's gonna go out there and uh, try to take it to you man so you cannot show him any weakness but the beautiful thing about this matchup is Carlos Hernandez is the absolute opposite of weakness Carlos Hernandez he's the one I was telling you all he trains in Chicago with Bilal Muhammad um that last fight against Baez was all the proof I needed that this dude can dig deep and it's not going to be a situation where he gasses and Altamirano takes over so for that reason I got Carlos Hernandez just just being slightly more skilled than him like I I think that Victor Altamirano is going to have a lot of fun fights but there's a lot of holes in this game you can't just be you know, acceptant to, to give up these takedowns and try to fight for subs off your back. And yeah, I get on the feet. He's long. You got to look out. Um, but I think Hernandez has the goods to come out here and beat him. So give me Carlos Hernandez to win his UFC debut. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's going to be a war, man. I love the flyweights, the flyweights. They come to fight. I see this fight probably being back and forth throughout the whole way. I mean, look, yeah, he does give up. Uh, he does go to his back a lot. But Carlos Hernandez, he's got to watch his cardio, you know, because when you fight these long guys, you, you're going back and forth from the ground to the back to standing. I mean, it, it drains a lot of energy, and you, you're dealing with a long guy now. And, you know, they're throwing knees, straight shots, and now you're tired. So, look, I think Carlos Hernandez is slightly better as well. But as far as a betting uh, betting side, I think, I think it's lined accurately, you know, give or take either way. But I'll go on the opposite side. I'll take uh, Victor Altamirino to get the win, kind of just using his range down the stretch and, 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 you know, sneaking out a win. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Ramiz Brahima. He's taking it on short notice. He's 9-4, and four and he's uh, fighting Michael Gilmore, who is 6-4. and four. And currently, they got Ramiz Brahima, uh, minus 360, the comeback on Michael Gilmore is plus 315. So, I mean, listen, Shaq, uh, the majority of Ramiz Brahimai's wins have been first-round submissions. We know already that Michael Gilmore has a knack for uh, getting tapped out. And in, in addition to that, I, I'm pretty sure that um, he wasn't even supposed to make that UFC debut. Like, wasn't... Actually, I'm wrong. Uh, they actually did match up Petrovsky and Gilmore. I thought for some reason Petrovsky was supposed to fight someone else and Gilmore stepped in short notice, but I guess... I guess they gave him a contract. So props to him on that. Um, and look out for this Nick Maximov Petrosky fight. You got, you know, <laughs> Maximov, uh, he's an off. Just so you guys know, this motherfucker is an off. So just remember that. And Petrosky's a D1 wrestler. So I can't wait for that fight. But as far as this is concerned, look, I know Ramiz, you know, there's some questions. Um, 
you know, every time he's fought someone who's well-established, I mean, he hasn't just lost. He First fight, he got his ear ripped off. Second fight, he got completely demoralized. But Michael Gilmore and Court McGee cannot be compared in the same sentence, man. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Court McGee who beat Robert Whitaker back in the day, a guy who beat Brad Tavares on the Ultimate Fighter, won the Ultimate Fighter, who's been in the UFC over 10 years. So I just don't think that's a fair comparison. However, what I do think is important to take from that fight is what did that do for Rami's confidence? Is he down in the dumps right now? Also, at Fortis MMA, they haven't been getting the best results lately. That being said, I still think he has enough to overcome the challenge ahead of him, go out there, find that submission, and uh, you know, get another first-round finish in the UFC. So props to Michael Gilmore for making it to a, a second UFC fight. Uh, that's something I didn't expect to happen. But I think as long as Ramiz is just not so compromised by – you know, the, that that last beating he took that, you know, hopefully he can come out here and, uh, you know, and, and shine. And, you know, uh, Bilal Muhammad also started off his UFC career one and two. And, you know, he kind of looks up to Bilal as like a mentor. And Bilal told him, like, hey, keep your head up, kid. Like, I started my UFC career one and two as well. And, you know, um, I think this is a good matchup for him to get back on track. So the only thing you got to worry about, you know, sometimes when these fights go past the first round with Rami is if he expends all his energy and can't get that first round sub, that's when fights tend to go downhill. But I have a feeling that here he'll be able to have success throughout the fight. And I think at times Ramiz shows like sometimes I bet like in the gym, he's a motherfucker on the mats, man. Like uh, I, I think that he's probably gives people the hardest roles. It's just about, you know, it's, it's just about making it happen under the bright lights. But I think there's a good opportunity for him. And I think he comes out here and submits Michael Gilmore. Yeah, I think. I think it's just levels, man. Honestly, plain and simple, Michael Gilmore probably shouldn't be in the UFC. I mean, he's he's not he's just not good enough. And and then you look at uh, Ramiz; he does have some good uh, skills on the mat. He does train with a, a a pretty good team, even though that team isn't getting the best results right now. But I mean, he has been in there in two of his first three fights with Court McGee and Max Griffin. So I mean, that's like real. Those are real guys right there. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's going to come out here and probably get his first round submission or um, it's just like, yeah, man, I, I, I sense a little bit of nervousness with Ramiz. I, I sense a little bit of, uh, you know, stage fright. I sense, uh, you know, a, a, me a mental thing more so. Um, he just seems like he's not giving his best effort. But, you know, let's see, he was fighting tough guys when he fought a six and three guy. Uh, Sasha, he took care of business real, real quick. So I'm assuming he'll probably feel more confident. He'll probably come out here, you know, implement his game plan, get that takedown, and, and get that submission. So, yeah, Ramiz for the win. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got two bantamweights fighting at featherweight. And just to make a clarification, because I know that Martinez, Jonathan Martinez, has had some weight issues, so a lot of people are just painting the brush saying that, oh, he was struggling, so he asked for it to, to move up. It was actually... Uh, Alejandro Perez, who asked for this fight to be at 145. Now, I don't know the reasoning behind that. Maybe he didn't want to cut weight. Maybe he's dealing with an injury. But that's all speculation. So all I know is the the Perez camp asked for this fight to be moved up. And I know for a fact Jonathan Martinez wasn't going to say no to that. So, But, yeah, we got Alejandro 28-2-8-1 and, and one, taking on Jonathan Martinez, who's 14-4. and four. And currently they got... Uh, uh, Jonathan Martinez minus 240. The comeback on Alejandro Perez is plus 200. Look, we can agree, you know, technically speaking, um, you know, if we want to see who's got the cleaner strikes and, and it becomes this pretty point fighting battle that, that I do think that Martinez has the edge there. However, Martinez has been weaseled before. You know, you can call the 
the um the Andre Uwe fight, one of the biggest robberies you've ever seen, but it's like judge one scored it for Andre Uhl, judge two, judge three. It wasn't like a split. Like all three judges scored it for him. Even one had it 30-27 for uh Andre Uhl. So so basically what I'm trying to say is that even if it was that that it, even if we consider that a bullshit decision, like it shows that a this kid can be weaseled. And guess who's really fucking good at weaseling these split decision type fights? So I guess my question for you, Shaq, is are we past the days where Alejandro could kind of, you know, squeak past these guys a little bit, get dropped in a fight two times and then come back and still win that round? Like, you remember that Sukumtut fight back in the day? Um, or is this going to be Jonathan Martinez controlling the range, dictating the pace, maybe landing one of his beautiful knees up the middle? Um, I, I'm excited between this fight between two Mexican warriors. Yeah, man. Um, maybe if this was like two, two, three years ago, I would have probably said so. But now, to be honest, man, I think this fight is right up uh, Martinez's alley. Like, honestly, I think when I heard that Alejandro wanted this fight at 145, I wasn't surprised because when you look at him in his last fight, you could tell that there's some extra weight on there and he looks visibly older. I think Song did a number on him. Um, you know, that knockout loss, he had a big break between that fight and the in the um, Johnny Eduardo fight, you know, where he got the submission. He definitely looked older to me, man. Some of these Mexican fighters, I, I feel like they're not in good condition anymore. I think they're, you can't, you know, have, think of what you think thought of them a few years ago. I think, um, I think Alejandro's another case, man. I think Martinez, yeah, he has been weaseled. Yeah. I was not sitting here saying that he's trustworthy at that price, but I think that he's the much better striker fundamentally. I mean, Alejandro leaves his chin up in the air. Um, and, you know, when we talk about when's the last time he, he weaseled somebody, I mean, that was a long Eddie Wineland. I mean, that was a, that was quite some time ago. And I, I just don't think we're going to be dealing. With it was, the, it was quite some time ago, 2018. Um, I think we're not dealing with the same guy anymore. He kind of reminds me of a similar situation with, Gabriel Benitez not not with the maybe sir the the durability but I just don't see that last fight with um Johnny Eduardo you know you got Johnny Eduardo's like how old I mean the guy's actually 41 41 <laughs> years old and then you see Alejandro in there getting into exchanges where he's still getting wobbled a little bit and um you know he Cody Stamen I think was the one that yeah ended his win streak and since then that fight was kind of boring as hell man and I don't know, man. I just think this is a good fight for Martinez. I think, um, yeah, he did mess up against Davy Grant as a big favorite, but Davy Grant is in the pocket swinging big haymakers. I mean, like he fought Adrian Yanez, and Adrian Yanez even had to had to you know play it safe a little bit to to get through that because Davy Grant is taking like major chances in the pocket. Like Alejandro is on the outside, like it's real sloppy, it's real ugly. I think Martinez comes out here, catches him with the left kick at left kick at some point, and and. and that last win even though that dude uh that dude i think he got cut maybe the georgian he was on steroids dude like and i thought it was a good veteran performance from uh jonathan martinez like that was a risky fight you find an undefeated georgian on, on on short notice on steroids like i mean he i thought he did a good job man um his fight previous to to davy grant against thomas almeida he looked he looked great put a clinic on him i think in certain fights where dudes like to sit on the outside and and like Alejandro try to point weasel. I think um, those fights are good for Martinez. I think the fights that are bad for him are the ones that are like, you know, Andre Uhl and, and um, Davy Grant, you know, big hitters that are going to stand in the pocket and, and really try to take him out. So I'm going to go with uh, Martinez to knock him out.
Yeah, um, it, 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 it's a tough one, man, uh, because it's like, I think that Martinez, he fights his best fight. I think he's winning this fight, man. I think he's got the range control, the distance, um, obviously the superior technique standing. He's got some devastating knees um, down the down the middle and just some very opportunistic uh, strikes at his disposal. I think his get-up game is getting a lot better. And I think he's starting to most importantly feel more comfortable inside the octagon, which is a huge thing. It's just that, you know, when talking about these Mexican warriors, like a guy like Alejandro, now I see where you're coming from in terms of comparing him to Mowgli, just, just in the sense that, you know, they were on the same season of the Ultimate Fighter, Latino America. So they might be kind of trending downward together, which is interesting because on that same season, you had the Cheeto Veras and the Yair Rodriguez's. So it's, it's just crazy to see how, you know, different ways people's careers have gone. It's just my whole thing is that sometimes Jonathan Martinez gets a little complacent in there. And those are the spots when Alejandro Perez can kind of come out here and just, you know, push that pedal to the metal, just make it that ugly, dirty, Mexican, gritty war. And if he can do something like that, then I think he can weasel the split. But I don't think it's going to be a dominant performance by Perez. I don't think it's going to be a finish by Perez. I think it's more so uh, that I'm not sure if I trust Martinez at minus 240, minus 250. Um, I think that uh, Turbo's been in there with some better guys. I thought he had a good fight with Cody Stamen. You know, the Yadong song fight, Yadong's about to knock out another, uh, you know, well-known established vet. So, uh, and I can't wait to talk about that one. You know, I, you hear, you've been hearing about Marlon Marais' camp uh, in Thailand about the shit he's been going through, man, like trying to change his career and then ends up getting COVID there. Like, God damn, like the dude can't catch a break. And we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that fight when the time comes. I mean, look, the pick is Martinez, but like, uh, it might be a controversial take, but I kind of do think that this is a dog or pass situation, and I would strictly be banking on a weasel job, which has been done many times before. So yeah, the pick is Martinez, but you know the line keeps getting uh, <laughs> the line keeps increasing. We might we see you know plus two this, plus two that, plus three hundred. Like maybe I'll take a shot and hope that he can weasel them because sometimes Martinez looks lazy out there. Sometimes Martinez gives up easy takedowns. So let's uh, let's see what the deal is. Now, next up, oh, this is going to be good. Now, everybody smash that like button for us and hit that subscribe button. And after the show, give us a comment, you know, whatever it takes. Like, all, all those kind of things help build the channel as I'm learning um, as we go. So, next up in the 155-pound division, we got a matchup between Terrence McKinney. He's 11-3, taking on Fares Ziam, who is 12-3. And currently, they got Fares Ziam. It just depends where you look. Some places, some places, it's a minus one ten pick them a piece. Other places, it's minus one twenty five Ziam and the comeback on McKinney plus one hundred five. And what's interesting, Shaq, is that last time they were actually scheduled to fight, you know, I bet on Ziam, but I bet him at plus one ten. So you know, there's a big difference between minus one twenty five and plus one ten. That being said, um, could he still look like? you know, a favorite in, in this spot because stylistically speaking, man, I mean, look, you know, Terrence McKinney is going to come out hard. And I think that in this spot, it behoove him to, you know, go back to his wrestling chops. But I, I just got questions about if fights get extended. Cause like, I know Terrence McKinney is going to come balls to the wall. Like that's one thing we can count on him for like win, lose or draw and take away all the stupid social media shit that Terrence has been, you know, spouting off. Um, 
like the dude's still gonna come out here and try to put it on you like that's one thing about mckinney like he he ain't gonna run away i mean maybe when he's tired but <laughs> out the gate he ain't gonna run away he ain't gonna pussyfoot this guy's gonna come out here either try to take your head off or try to slam you on your head so ziam's gotta be ready early but I mean, do you think Zion pulls away down the stretch, or are we looking at another historic uh, finish by Terrence McKinney? Yeah, I think that um, historic finish thing is definitely not happening. Um, look, I, I think Terrence McKinney has got a bright future ahead of him. I think he's, you know, his last few fights, he's been coming out here knocking guys out in less than a minute, doing, you know, that good thing. Um, I think he's he's a he's a good fighter, a good young fighter. But in, but I think Farah Siam hasn't really been getting enough credit. I mean, we're talking about a K-1 champion at 18 years old. The I mean, he makes good reads. Um good decisions um yeah look the wrestling definitely needs some work but he's a young fighter as well he's only like what 23 four years old i mean this guy is super young um now he's um you know mixing it in with some good guys at, at different camps and like this guy like i said he he's got his head on straight now um terrence mckinney i don't know if he has his head on straight i mean i'm not i don't like to you know get go too crazy into you know the social media shit but like the dude's been running his mouth for a long time and let's see if he can back it up. Like, you know, he's been saying he's not losing to an Algerian. Hey, I, thought, I thought the dude was from France. Yeah, like. I mean, well, you know, his, his, his heritage or whatever, but like, um, I think, I think let's see if he let's see if he can back that up. Let's see if he can go three rounds because I know Farasiam is ready to go three rounds, and I think Farasiam is just going to be more focused in that cage. I think when things for Terrence don't if things don't go his way right off the bat, and if he doesn't come out here and and um, get that first round KO, and I and I don't think he's going to. I think Farasiam has good range. He has good distance. Like I said, he makes good reads, um, and I think that Terrence is thinking that this kid is scared of him and thinking that because you knocked out a guy that's been dropped in pretty much every single one of his UFC fights that okay but I think Fiziam is going to have something for him. I think he's going to outclass him. I think it's going to get ugly down the stretch. I think Terrence doesn't have his head on straight. Let's see. Let's see if he comes out here and and backs up his talk. So I'm going with Fiziam to to kind of run away with this down the stretch. Maybe the first round is a little tough. He gets taken down. He may he makes some work a, a little bit. But I think Ziam's the better fighter. I think we're going to see a much improved fighter uh, on Saturday. Look, I would never sit here and say the McKinney and Frivola fight it was a fluke it was not a fluke because Farola has been dropped like five times in the UFC so yeah that was definitely one of the possible outcomes but I still have questions about what would happen if that fight got extended because you know Frivola is a dog down the stretch it, it just didn't get to play out that way but if you think McKinney's just going to come out here land a one-two on Fareziam and, and you know be on his way I, I think you're sorely mistaken you know this kid Fareziam what you got to understand is his UFC debut he goes in there with Don Madge Don Madge is a guy who's known for he's had 70 to 90 kickboxing bouts like he's also you know, a credential kickboxer. Don Madge was the one trying to wrestle. Don Madge was the one that wanted no part with Fares Yam on the feet. You look at the Jamie Malarkey fight. Jamie Malarkey just knocked out Devontae Smith. Jamie Malarkey knocked out Kama Worthy prior to that. And I'm not saying, oh, I, I know Kama Worthy's chin is an issue. That's not my point. My point is Malarkey gets these devastating knockouts. Malarkey's got a chin of steel, man. <laughs> Malarkey's got these devastating knockouts on his record. Goes out there against uh, Fares Yam. Wants nothing to do with the striking. The Luigi Van 
Zidane Germini fight. Look, I, I talk about this all the time. And firstly, those first two rounds were a clinic by Zion. Third round, shit didn't go his way, but he overcame adversity. He didn't quit. So props to him. But there's a misconception about Luigi that, oh, he's one and three in the UFC, therefore he's a bum. But you got what you got to remember about Luigi Vandermini is all four opponents that he's fought in the UFC have had to go through shit against him. Like, he's a tough out, even if his record ain't the best. Zaleski got his back taken against Luigi Vandermini. Justin Ayari got knocked out. Justin Ayari got dropped by Darren Till like seven times and then get knocked out. First first thing that uh, Luigi throws at Justin Ayari gets him out of there. Uh, the Ferezian fight. Yeah, he lost that fight, but the third round, he, he a lot of people thought it might have been a 10-8. And then the Patty Pimblet fight, he lost that one too, but you know he, land, he landed a nice little shot on, on Patty Pimblet. So all I'm trying to say here is that like, you know, this kid Luigi Vandermini has had moments in all his fights, win, lose, or draw. So um, I wouldn't just sit here and discount the fact that, you know, Ferez had some adversity to overcome in, in the last round. And those and actually, I think it's a good thing because I'm not convinced that McKinney is the type to overcome adversity. I think McKinney is the type that just comes out, like I said, balls to the wall, firing out the gate, trying to get you out of there. But historically speaking, fights get extended and. He, he doesn't do the best, man. I mean, that Sean Woodson fight, it's not just about this perfectly timed flying knee. I mean, some of the, some of the striking I saw from Terrence there when he was getting tired was very, very ugly. I'm not convinced that just because, you know, he caught Frivolo in the first exchange that all of a sudden this guy's this new, this newly found and, and revitalized striker. I just don't see it like that. Whereas Fares, with him... I think that pretty soon here, you're actually going to start to see him get some highlight real knockouts. I feel like we haven't even scratched. Fuck. I feel like, oh, sorry, I just spilled all over my mixer. Uh, I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface. Let me uh, finish this breakdown. I'm going to clean this up. I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface on what Fireziam is capable of. So I'm going to pick him to win this fight. Um, and yeah, I got Fares uh, Ziam winning this one. So next up in the featherweight division, we got Josie Ann Nunes taking on Ramona Pascal. Shaq, I'm gonna let you take this one real quick while I uh, while I clean this fucking mess I just made. Uh, so give me a second, man. So yeah, talk about Pascal versus uh, uh, Pascal versus Nunes. Yeah, man, this uh, fight with with. Um... Josie and Nunez and Pascal, I'm excited for it, man, because Nunez, you know, she's a small girl for uh, 35 and 145. I mean, um, she, I mean, she's 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 short. She's definitely outsized here against this uh, Pascal girl. But I just think, you know, Pascal, on the other hand, is this is I think this is going to be pretty much a similar situation. That I think she's got a six and two record here, but I think it's I don't want to say a fake six and two record, but it's it just doesn't add up to me. I mean, if you just look at her last fight against the 2-0 girl that she fought, it was a legit soccer mom. Like, I'm talking, a, a, you know, one that you would see at, at your kids, you know, soccer practice, you know, with the with the Odyssey van. Like, the, <laughs> like I'm not even joking. Like, that, and, and that girl was 2-0. Like, you're talking about Josie Ann Nunes. She's coming from the Brazil scene, a real scene, where there's a lot of girls, a lot of talent. And um, and I think that, you know, her last fight, yeah, being Maleki might not be the best and all that, but she was undefeated. But, like, she came out there and put a beating, a bludgeoning on her to a point where, like, you know, damn. Okay, this girl, this girl is, is pretty for real, and and I've seen her on that um Brazil female Muay Thai scene with, you know, Carol Rosa and and uh Tyler Santos and Marina. Her gym is the one that actually um 
yeah, like her gym is the one that actually runs the the show. So I think um I think she's gonna come out here and knock Ramona Pascal out, man. To be honest, like Ramona Pascal just isn't ready for this. Um, you know, she's at a much more you know lower level uh, of MMA. Yeah, she does have size and she is thick and she she is bigger. Um, and but I I think that Josie Ann can. She's used to fighting big girls, man. I think she can stuff the takedowns. But I just think that when she when this girl gets hit on the nose by Josie Ann, I think it's gonna be a real problem. You know that Superman punch. I, I like that from Josie Ann. You know to 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 cover the distance. Um, I think I think Josie Ann might actually be, be something. I'm saying you know a future champ or anything, but you know around for a long time in the mix. And, and I think she's gonna knock uh, Ramona Pascual out yeah i mean listen okay so i didn't get a chance to do the records and all that because i spilled all over my mixer but let's get down to it so josie and nunez eight and one taking on ramona pascal who's six and two and just so you know this fight's at 145 pounds so this is a historic fight name the last time you saw a five foot one fighter in the ufc fighting at 145 pounds and if you can name that uh i'll paypal you a hundred dollars um so currently they got where are the lines on this fucking shit? Here it is. Okay, Josie Ann Nunes, minus 210. The comeback on Ramona Pascal is plus 175. So, look, Ramona Pascal's got a few things going for her. I mean, listen, she's big for the weight class, and if she gets on top of Nunes, that's the area of concern I have um, in this spot, man. Like, you know, she's a big girl. I've seen her go out there, finish people with key locks. And, now, granted, I agree with you. The level of competition was, you know... <laughs> It was terrible, but at least she's going out there and handling them. Like, it's like one thing to go out there and, you know, finish these girls in the first round. It's another thing to go out there and have split decisions with them. So at least she's, you know, distinguishing, she's separating herself from the pack. And she is a big girl and she is aggressive. It's just that it's a little bit different with Josie Ann Nunes. Like, when's the last time you saw someone that was like five foot one having that one hitter quitter? I mean, they, we can talk about the John Linekers, but I'm talking about the chicks. Like, you, you don't see that kind of power from the ladies divisions too often and when we do we take note of that so i am taking note of that so i think that the only path to victory here for pasquilla is to somehow get on top you know get her crucifix going maybe attack a kila you know something like that hold her down use that size but aside from that man I really do think that the shots and the impact from Josie and Nunes like I'm not convinced Ramona Pasquale has been hit like this before whereas I have evidence that Nunes has gone the, the distance with Tyler Santos, you know? So, like, I just think it's a different level of competition. So, and, and I do think Ramona Pascal will be back. I think she'll win a fight or two, just just, just not Saturday night. So, give me um, give me Josie and Nunes to come out here and win this fight. And, and it really is, like I said, sometimes on the guys' records when you see, you know, they knocked out a bunch of people, that, you know, coming to the UFC, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, I hear fighters talk about it. It's hard to just rock someone in the UFC, let alone knock them out. But uh, this girl, Josie Ann, has got a knack for it, and I think you might see some spectacular finishes from her along the way. So I like this matchup for her, and uh, I think she comes out here and gets the dub. You know, obviously the only, the only concern is the size difference. That's it. But aside from that, give me Nunes. Now, next up in the 155-pound division, I'm very excited about this one. We got Ignacio Bahamondes. He's 12-4, and four, taking on Zhu Rong, who is 19-4. Great fight between two, two prospects in the lightweight division. And currently, they got Ignacio minus 220. The comeback on Zhu Rong is plus 180. So, uh, man, here's one where both guys... Now, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, they kind of both 
maybe underperformed in their UFC debuts, but they really showed out in their second appearances, man. I mean, Zhu Rong went out there, man, and the kind of clinic he put on uh, that Brandon Jenkins kid, man, I mean, he schooled him bell to bell in all areas of the game. And it's funny because it's like you look at a guy like um, like Zhu Rong on his regional scene, and this dude was out here getting flashy finishes. This dude was like a superstar. This guy like uh he's got you know he's got the image he's got the pink hair the sunglasses like he's got his own thing going on he also might be one of the younger fighters on the ufc roster now sometimes with these ages uh from people from that side of the world you're not quite sure you know he's another guy that's 21 but we don't really know if he's been 21 for the last 10 years but you know all bullshit aside man i think he's a very talented prospect and with ignacio bahamondes or bahamondes um he's one of these guys i've been hearing about him for years like i hear like in the gym like this guy is like the most world-class striker and i hear he you know gives top five ufc uh welterweights issues striking in the gym i hear he's just that fucking good on the feet it's just that sometimes um in the fights he doesn't always rise to the occasion in terms of how good he could be like he's always hanging in there in the fights i mean the guy's got mad hard i've seen him eat some shots and just keep coming forward he's got an insane chin um it, it's just one of those things where you want to see him perform how he performs in the gym inside the octagon and from time to time you're going to see some special moments uh from ignacio Bahamondes. And, and i think he's definitely someone to look out for it, it's just there's there's some things here uh, we you know that, that i'm worried about such as underperforming in this fight which is something that has kind of been an issue for ignacio like i feel like in some of these fights he's lost like he's like way better than these dudes it's just he might just like fight to the level of his competition from time to time but if we can finally tap into that phenom if maybe this first ufc win gave him that confidence to know that hey you are that dude then i think he can come out here and actually put a clinic on zoo wrong it's just what i'm worried about is sometimes ignacio doesn't fight you know how you want him to fight he fights to the level of his competition and zoo wrong is no slouch man zoo wrong can knock people out he can take people down he can he can grind you out like he's a very talented young prospect. So I understand why people are saying this is a dogger pass situation. I lean Ignacio, but this is one of the fights that I'm very curious to see how it plays out because I think the winner of this fight and even the loser of this fight, I, I think they both have bright futures in the division. Um, it's just about seeing how the uh, the careers pan out. But give me Ignacio Balmondes to hopefully put on some kind of like art, like, artistic mastery standing like i know he's capable of it it's just sometimes doesn't always perform how you want him to but if he performs i think he wins give me ignacio for the dub yeah this is a tough fight man because you know i feel like both these guys that they were um they they were hyped up coming in you know i actually kind of kind of stuck my neck out there for zurong in his ufc debut like i really thought i saw like some superstar potential on that on that regional scene um i mean he fought experienced guys like big shows um young already 21 he's already this good at 21 i mean imagine how good he's gonna be when he you know is 27 and you know the, uh, in his prime so um bahamundas i wasn't necessarily as high uh, you know as um some others just because i think he takes a lot of damage in his fights but he does have a um a high pace he is tough he is a warrior a latin warrior he's gonna stand in the pocket the kicks are on point as well i think the hands could be a little better um the way that i see this fight is man this is this is gonna be a showdown i definitely think it could be lined closer like 
he he definitely is coming off that spectacular win over um uh roosevelt roberts um where he looked amazing but let's not forget roosevelt roberts was out here getting finished by guys like kevin crewman inside less than a minute so like and and, and other and other guys like roosevelt roberts was on his way out he had he had had enough um i think he was a broken man um so you got to see ignacio showcase all of his skills with you know not much pushback not saying that he can't handle pushback because i have seen this kid fight you know the guy that beat um the guy that beat i mean what's his name um chris brown yeah chris brown you know he's he's got some good wins on the lfa scene some wars so look I, I think Ignacio is probably going to be a little tougher for the duration of the of the three rounds in terms of being able to take shots and and um and keep going forward and and I do think he should be favored. He's got slightly more experience, um, not necessarily fights, but just high level like LFA, UFC contender series. Um, but man, I wouldn't. I honestly, personally, think Zurong has a higher ceiling, and I think um. Zurong is training at a good camp now, man. He's at ATT in Florida with some with some real killers, man. And um, and I think that uh, man, this is a dogger pass situation, one hundred percent to me. Like this kid Ignacio is good, but he takes shots. His face is covered in blood every single fight, pretty much, um, except the last one. But you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he, you know, his uh, just his Latin spirit and his toughness edged it out down the stretch. So. I'm going to take Ignacio, but I think it's Zurong or pass uh, betting-wise. All right, so before we talk about the main card, because I know everyone wants to hear about this, Gregory Robocop yeah, Rodriguez fight versus Armin Petrosian. Um, I want to give a big shout-out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. So, guys, uh, Prize Picks, like I said many times, the simplest and easiest way to make money on daily fantasy sports. Last week... The Kyle Dacas over under on significant strikes was like 50. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this dude's a grappler. He ain't landing no 50 strikes. That hit. Then the Jessica Rose Clark uh, over under on takedowns was 2.5. Where I'm like, wait, but Edgar's like the judo player. You're not about to come out here and take her down unless she's severely gassed down the stretch, which I thought Rose Clark was going to keep this fight standing. And she actually goes out there and initiates the clinch. Uh, big mistake. But bottom line, that that hit, and then I also took the under in the fantasy score for uh, Joaquin Buckley. I thought that I thought Razak was going to knock him out, but it turned out being this three round war, and you know he obviously didn't cover his price tag, so that went three for three. But guys, remember on price picks, you don't got to go three for three like like a parlay or something. You can go two for three. You can go three for three. Excuse me, you can go two for three, three for three, three for four, four for five. Like you don't have to hit them all to cash out that's the beauty about this and you can combine sports if you want or keep it the same sport just pick two to five players no big deal and if you use our code battle you get a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars so guys just remember it's you versus their projection don't worry about any stats nerds hacking any bullshit like don't don't worry about any of that just you versus them find those inefficiencies take advantage of these grapplers unders on significant strikes like if you know they're going to be out here grappling and not throwing strikes like why the fuck would you expect kyle Dawkins to throw 50 strikes it's not it's not chris Dawkins we're talking about so take advantage of those spots price picks use our code battle for an 100 percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars now shaq Let's break down this main card because first up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Gregory Rodriguez. He's 11 and three. He's taking out Armand Armen Petrosian, who is six and one. 
And currently, they got Gregory Robocop minus 155. The comeback on Armin Petrosian is plus 135. So Armin Petrosian, not to be confused with the famous kickboxer Armin Petrosian, however, has similar qualities, is also would appear to have some kind of seasoned kickboxing background. And I, I think that he's developing in the MMA nicely. You know, the big thing you want to find out is about the ground game. And yes, he does get taken down. Yes, he does give up bad positions, but the guy's got a lot of heart, man. I mean, he's able to work out of them. He's able to get back up to his feet. He doesn't lose his confidence. And then when it's his turn to deliver his strikes, I mean, bodies do tend to hit the floor. Now on the flip side, he's only six and one into his MMA career. So he's still got a long way to go. And actually, in 2021, he was knocked out uh, pretty brutally by, you know, by a decent fighter, just not, you know, a UFC caliber type guy, which does, shouldn't take away from Armin, but just should should mo uh, more so go to show that he's still developing. He's still making that transition from kickboxing over to MMA. And with Gregory Robocop Rodriguez, I mean, I'm very impressed with this guy, even in that fight that he lost against Jordan Williams. And guys, we got to make the distinction. Jordan Williams at 85s and Jordan Williams at 70s is a completely different guy. I'm not saying he's, you know, he's, you know, the the hot shit at 185. That's not what I'm saying at all. all. All I'm saying is his durability is much more there. I mean, he had that war with Ramazan Kurmagomedov. He knocked out Gregory Rodriguez. He had a war with Nasruddin Imavov, whereas when he goes to 70, like the first punch that touches him, you know, puts him out. So that's why, like, the whole talk about Jordan Williams not cutting weight, there, there, there was a reason for that. Um, but back to this, listen, Gregory Rodriguez – the, the the thing with him, man, is that he is a big physical presence for the 185 pound division, man. I mean, he's six foot three. He's got the 76 inch reach. And most importantly, this guy's paid his dues, man. I mean, he's beat some legit competition on his regional scene. Uh, this kid, Josh Friend, who he knocked out, who's actually just got signed to the UFC. You guys got to look out for Josh Friend, man. He's uh, going to make some noise. Um, in my opinion, the kid, the kid's very talented, just got signed. So he's got a knockout win over him. He beat Dusko Todorovic. He got to dig deep in that John Young Park fight. He was doing his whole thing. And then he kind of hit a wall a little bit, started to get rocked, but he dug deep and went to a went to a place deep within to uh to pull out that win. So it's very respectable. So as far as this matchup is concerned, I mean, look, Robocop's a black belt, Robocop hits hard robocop is physical just you know there are some questions about the chin um you know he does kind of stand uh you know very tall he is very tall for the weight class and this kid petrosian is a sniper you got to be careful but i do think that there's areas that can be exposed i do think he can take him down and while maybe some of these other guys weren't able to finish armin petrosian on the mat you know um the you know the kanaka tender series maybe he wasn't able to do it but I think that Gregory Rodriguez can. It's just my only issue is this. It's like we've seen Petrosian survive these bad spots on the mat and come back and finish these guys. So what I'm worried about is, you know, let's say Gregory Robocop takes his back for the entire first round, has him in the body triangles, attempting submissions, and he can't get it. Well, the next round starts on the feet. And, you know, you I'm worried about seeing those muscles and, you know, him huffing and puffing. And that's where a guy like Armin Petrosian can get off. But at the end of the day, I do think the experience difference in MMA is significant enough where I, I'm going to go with Rodriguez via via submission. But I, I could see a Rodriguez knockout, too. Like I said, Petrosian got knocked out not too long ago by by a lesser fighter. But also, if Petro if Rodriguez you know, coming off two straight UFC wins, if he's starting to feel cocky, if he's starting to feel arrogant, if he's starting to feel like, oh, I can beat this kickboxer at his own game, 
that could be a recipe for Petrosian knocking him out. So that's where you got to be careful. But aside from that, like Gregory, if you don't go to sleep, I think you win this fight. And I think you can even submit this guy. So give me Gregory Robocop Rodriguez to make it three wins in a row inside the octagon. Yeah, this is an intriguing fight, man. I was impressed with um, Petro Petrosian's uh, contender series fight. I, you know, I, I like the kickboxing, the the ability to capitalize after you just got, you know, grappled a little bit. The second they get back up, I love dudes that just attack right away with their head kick, the strikes up the middle, the straight punches. I mean, uh, for a six and one guy, I, I was impressed. I've been impressed with um, RoboCop as well. You know, the uh, the Jordan Williams fight, I, I didn't think that was a good showing, but I, I do think that he's gotten better, more comfortable. His composure has gotten better. Um, my only issue with RoboCop is there's a, a similar pattern in his fights. He gets tired, man. I mean, look at the look at his frame. Big muscle guy. I mean, he's gonna get tired, and and you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the the him submitting him thing. 100. I mean, he's got the edge on the mat, and then the early goings could be very rough for Petrozan. But it seems like. There's a similar pattern in his fight, and there's a similar pattern in Petrosian's fight. One guy loves getting grappled for a little bit, and he stand back up and he attacks. And the other guy, he even though he is this, you know, big black belt, he was on top of Dusko Todorovic. He's been on top of other guys. Uh, Park had their back, but he did not submit them. This, you know, they did survive that. They did get out of those big ba- uh, body triangles and all those things. So I think that if um, the longer this fight goes, this is going to favor Petrosian, man. I think that uh, Gregory Rodriguez needs to get rid of this guy quick and try to fully mount him and smash him or something like that or or knock him out on the feet because the longer this fight goes, you play with range with this guy, um, Armin Petrosian. I see something getting through. I see some, a front kick, a, a head kick, a knee, um, by the boxing, uh, the hand speed. I think that Gregory Rodriguez slows down in his fights. I think that his last fight against... Um, Jung Yoon Park, Park made a critical critical mistake, man. I mean, you're in the pocket trading with a big, you you see the size of this guy. You got to be more patient. His cardio is already waning. Just, you still got another round left. Like, just be more patient. And, and this guy's going to run himself into the ground. He's almost done. Like, I think that uh, even Dusko, the Dusko fight, he got tired. But Dusko's not a guy that pushes the pace. He's more of just, you know, uh, kind of a point fighter, to be honest. You know, with a little bit of power in, in, in there. But I think that... um I think Petrosian, I'm going to take him for the win. I think he finds an opportunistic late knockout. I think the rather, yeah, I mean, look, if he gets finished in the first round, that won't surprise me either, like you were saying. But um, I think that Petrosian kind of has a habit for that, man. I think that um, Gregor is going to use a lot of energy trying to, this guy's got fights at 205, you know. I think he's he's felt, uh, he's um, Armand, he's felt these big guys before like that. So hopefully that helps him out here. Uh, in this fight with RoboCop, because RoboCop is hell on wheels while he's fresh. Um, but I think Armin's going to get a late knockout. Now, next up in the 155-pound division, we got a prospect showdown between Armand Sarukian, he's 17-2, and two, taking on Joel Alvarez, who is 19-2. and two. And currently, they got Armand Sarukian, minus 225. The comeback on Joel Alvarez is plus 185. So, I mean... You couldn't ask for a better prospect showdown. Some people complain about fights like these because they don't want to see either guy lose. Whereas I'm like, I want to know who the better prospect is. I want to know who's got the higher trajectory. And 
I mean, I think we kind of know the dynamic here. Uh, Armin Sarukian, it would behoove him to, to go to the wrestling. You know, Joel, Joel Alvarez does have a 0% takedown defense in the UFC, but that might be a bit misleading because this guy is so goddamn opportunistic on the mat. And also with the size that he has, you know, he's six foot three at 155 pounds. He can, he can actually be one of those guys that can pull off subs off his back. And then on the feet, Armin's got to be very, very careful. You know, Armin has been rocked and he has been knocked out in fights before. And if you stand and bang with a guy like Joel Alvarez long enough, you might be hitting the deck. But either way, both these guys have clear paths to victory. How you see it going down? Because this is a true prospect showdown. I mean, look, look at the records and look at the performances these guys have been putting on in the UFC. Yeah, this is a tough one because, you know, I don't like going against that that camp um which camp the sarukian camp you know the the um my boy shia you know the, the whoever he manages I, they those dudes win a lot um and i like sarukian i mean i've heard from you know top three fighters in the, in his division that this kid is, is for real you know just yeah like that um you know he's one of the best you know young fighters that he's trained with and and, and joel alvarez i mean the performance he just put on um the performance he just put on against Tiago Moises, man, I mean, I was blown away by that. Like, it's kind of hard to fade him because of the size. Like, I'm getting major Charles Oliveira vibes with this guy. Like, he's dangerous. Um, I mean, the knees up the middle, the striking. Like, if he's striking and then, like, he's tall, like, you can't just shoot in a shot from far out on this guy. I mean, he'll snatch up that neck quick and and it'll be it'll be over. Like, I think this guy is very dangerous. I mean, it kind of, I didn't think it was gonna happen this fast for him, to be honest. I mean, his local scene fights, he, you know, out there in Spain, he'd get laid on a lot and things like that. Um, and maybe that happens here. Um, I'm just not interested in really fading either guy betting wise. Um, but I do think it's a dogger path passer situation yeah moises look he could have got demoralized as a lot of dudes do after the islam fight you know islam and you saw what happened to dober and um you know moises and some of these other guys i mean islam can break you in a way that that is tough maybe maybe it was a perfect time for joel to uh to slide in there but i mean he's got a lot of tools six three a good striker throwing knees up the middle high kicks got a mean guillotine um and 77 and this is with like bad resources out there in spain like he hadn't he hasn't even been training at like no major camp like his head coach is enrique marine enrique marine's a guy that fought sage Northcutt back in the day like they're doing this with you know in comparison to what sarukian has you know it's like you know night and day but you know man sarukian's a dog i got nothing really bad to say about him yeah his striking you know I think that'll probably get exposed more once he gets to the higher levels, maybe, maybe Saturday night. But, um, I, I think he's good as hell, man. Um, tough, a grinder, a guy that's willing to work, work, work and get his job done no matter who he's in there with. So I'm going to pick him for the win, but I'm going to say a close decision, but uh, for betting wise is Joel or past me. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Joel is so damn dangerous, man. And you know, what's interesting He's completely flipped the narrative about him because I don't know if you remember when he first came into the UFC, even even his first few fights, people were acting like Joe Alvarez sucks. Yeah, like that's how they were. The 
Demir wobbled him all over. But Demir beat Moises too. But it's not just Demir. Like even on his regional scene, like just these random dudes would, would just take him down with ease. Like um, so people like were people went complete 180. Like from like Joel Alvarez sucks to Joel Alvarez is a top 15 guy. And like I know people that were betting that fucking scrub Danilo Belwardo against Alvarez. Now all of a sudden they're betting Alvarez against Saruki. And so that just shows how much the the perspective and um just the overall view of Joel Alvarez has changed over the years and rightfully so. Look at the performances he's been putting on. Look at the size. Um and we can talk about the weight miss all we want. He hasn't missed weight yet, but still like to me, like whatever. Like like let's find out who's gonna win the fight. Let's find out where the value is. Um so Armin Sarukian, hold on one second. I just got to sneeze really quickly. Or or not. Uh, so Armin Sarukian, what I love about him is that he's another one of these guys that I've been talking about for a while where it's like he can have the relentless takedown after takedown after takedown, and that style is going to win so many goddamn fights, man. I am telling you all right now. This dude, like, Matt Favola is a good wrestler. Armin Sarukin hit 10 takedowns on him. And let me see how many attempted real quick, just out of curiosity. He, he went 10 for 12. I mean, when you can attempt 12 takedowns in a UFC fight, it, it is really a big deal. Basically, I do think it's finish or bust for Joel Alvarez in the spot. And it can and it can, it can happen. I mean, Sarukin has been knocked out before. Sarukin has been wobbled in fights before. So that's what you got to expect. And if he's underestimating Joel on the mat, like this ain't, you know, some of these guys, like when, when you're six foot three, you can use those long limbs and catch submissions that other people normally can't do. But I have seen uh, Sarukian out there with higher level black belts, such as Davi Hamosh, take him down and, and avoid any issues. Now, granted, Davi Hamosh is, you know, five, eight, five, nine. Joel, it's different with those long ass limbs, but Davi is a higher level black belt than Joel Alvarez. So I think Joel Alvarez has a very bright future. And yeah, there is a chance he comes out here and knocks out Armand Sarukian. But most likely what I think happens is that Armand Sarukian plays this smart and takes him down, neutralizes him, avoids the sub attempts, and just fights smart That's here. Great, you know what? If I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just go out there and just take this guy down repeatedly. Do what you have to do. This is not the fight to go test your boxing. Like you're not gonna go test your boxing against a guy who's that much taller, that has that much of a reach advantage, that's that durable. Like fuck all that, man. If Armin does that, then, and if he wins that fight, hey, props. But if Armin tries that and he gets starched, he's got no one to blame uh, but himself. So I think Armin's gonna come out here smart and rinse and repeat on the takedowns. Eventually, just neutralize the submission attempts and win this decision. And Joel Alvarez will be back. We're we're big fans of him. Um, I just personally think Armin comes out here, wins this fight. And I, I will even say this, and this might be a slight disagreement because you said his dogger pass. I, I would not be surprised if Armin covered his price tag. Like a 3027 is covering that price tag. And that's kind of what I see happening. But again, you know, if he wants to be if he wants to test the stand-up like uh Tiago Moises did, if he wants to be cocky, you know, if he thinks because he just knocked out Christos Giagos that all of a sudden he's gonna knock out Joel Alvarez. That's where the rude awakening might come in. But aside from that, I think Armin's going to take him down, avoid the subs, neutralize him, win this decision. Now, featured bout in the flyweight division. We got Priscilla Cachoeira. She's 10 and 4, taking on Jian Kim, who's 9, 4, and 2. And currently, they got Jian Kim minus 165. The comeback on Priscilla is plus 145. So, 
Y'all, check out my interview with Daun Jung. You know, he's also from South Korea. Um, had him on the show the other night. And one thing we talked about, because like we've been talking about this for years, how that flight from Asia all the way to the States, it takes so much out of the, out of the Asian fighters that sometimes they don't perform at their optimal at their optimal selves. And I asked like uh, Daun Jung, I was like, hey, man, like, I mean, do you feel like, you know, two weeks to acclimate and then you're good to go? Because you got to consider this. Daun Jung has been fighting all these fights like with only like 10 days to acclimate. So he feels like he hasn't even shown his best. He feels like he's been jet lagged every single UFC fight minus the the one that was in South Korea, right? Uh, the Mike Rodriguez one, right? So uh, like we're not even seeing the best versions of these guys. And I asked him how much time it would take for him to acclimate properly. Daun Jung told me a month. Like that's like eye opening as fuck that it would really take a full month for him to acclimate to that time change and to and the flight and everything. So the reason I bring that up is because Jian Kim, also from from South Korea, also had to make the flight. I highly doubt. Oh, so she did this camp in Vegas. Perfect. Uh, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because back to the Zurong talk. Um, a, another fighter where his UFC debut, he made the flight and looked like shit. But then the next one, he actually trained in the States and looked like a completely different man. So I'm glad Shaq brought up the fact that Jeon Kim's been training in Vegas. So now the jet lag's not going to be a factor. So that's something we had to point out. So now that we know or we have an inkling it might not be a factor, what I want to what I want to see is um, listen, Jeon Kim's got the big reach advantage. Jeon Kim's got the volume advantage. It's just that sometimes in these divisions, power can overcome technique now i personally don't think that's going to be the case here i think that Jean kim is very durable and priscilla is tough and priscilla is willing to do dirty things to win fights and i know like on a moral level that's not something we like but on a betting on fights level that's something we love do whatever you gotta fucking do to win the fight i just don't think those dirty tactics will be enough here my only concern is this there's been other fights where i felt like uh, Jian Kim had clear advantages and the, the fights have played out way too close for my liking. Uh, point in case, the Melinda Fabian fight. I remember you and I watched the tape on that. We're like, dude, there's like no way Jian Kim loses this fight. And she didn't lose the fight. But it was still a split decision. It was still closer than I expected. So those are my concerns. But who the better fighter here is, I, I think it's Jian Kim. It's just you got to watch out for that power. You got to watch out Jian Kim. That chin is straight up in the air, and Priscilla is tough, and she can crack. But ultimately, I think that Gian Kim lands the more volume on her, picks her apart, and wins this decision. Yeah, um, I think uh, yeah, Gian Kim's got better hands. Uh, she has never been finished, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so she is durable. Um, Priscilla Cachoeira, you know, kind of predictable fighter, loads up. You know. Uh, ground game isn't very good. Wrestling isn't very good. Um, boxing really isn't good. It's just the power, you know, like you said. And Gian Kim, man, I mean, some of these girls like Molly McCann was cracking her chin, uh, like Alexa Grasso. I mean, but these girls are definitely more better technical boxers than um, Priscilla. But they did touch her chin and she did get hit with some several, you know, big shots. So I'm interested to see what, what happens when Priscilla, if she lands those type of shots. But, you know, Gian Kim... She has been putting in some hard work. It seems like it seems like she, uh, you know, she she's out here in uh, Las Vegas now, trying to trying to make um, trying to make a change in her career. Because I mean, look, she she could be on the chopping block. Both of these girls could be on the chopping block. So, you know, she uh, she needs to get a win. I think she I think she will get the win if she mixes in the takedown. Like 
that's the key to winning this fight, in my opinion. Short, uh, Shorty Priscilla can't can't grapple to save her life, so I, I think that would be the smart. But if she wants to stand in the pocket and box as she's known for, um, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm not, you know, I mean, here's the issue: Jean Kim's landed a grand total of zero takedowns exactly, in her career. Like she's never, but not saying if, it can't happen. Now that she's with this new camp, maybe John Wood says, "Look, let's know, change it up." Yeah, like you need. You need to shoot. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I, I'll, I'll pick Gian for the win. But betting wise, I don't. I don't know. Co-main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We got Misha Serkunov. He's fifteen and seven, taking on Wellington Terman, who is seventeen and five. And currently, they got Misha Serkunov. It just depends where you look. Um, minus one fifteen to come back on Wellington Terman, minus one oh five. You can get some plus a hundreds on, on Wellington Terman in this spot here. Um I, I gotta be honest with you, man. I've never been a Misha Serkunov believer. Like I'm very aware he's got some physical tools. He's a big guy. He's strong and he actually beat some really good guys early on in their career. But I, I'm just under the belief that if he ever fought Krylov again, if he ever fought Crude again, if he ever fought Kudalaba again, like I truly believe those guys finished him. I think he caught them at the right time. That, I'm not. That's not to discredit him at all. But my issue with Misha Serkunov is, you know, with, with some fighters, they have all these great tools, but there's certain things missing. And I just don't think that at the UFC level that Misha Serkunov, you know, has the you know again it's it's tough for a non-fighter to question a, a fighter's heart but again i'm not saying a fight between daniel levy and misha Serkunov. i'm saying at the ufc level in a co-main event like we've seen Serkunov have no issues covering up after taking one shot multiple times and i'm not i'm not talking about being knocked out that's a different story i'm talking about saying let's live the fight another day no big deal the ryan span fight uh, uh some other fights uh you know come up to mind as well and with wellington terman the thing about him is i know that he's had a rocky ufc start but you got to take into consideration that he's only 25 years old you know this kid was born in 1996 he's just a kid so you got to give him some time to develop and uh some of the guys he's been in there with are so much more experienced than him i mean bruno blindado is a vicious knockout artist man and uh with here with misha sarkunov you know, you got to more so look out for these opportunistic finishes because, you know, on the mat, you know, that Peruvian necktie he hit on Jimmy Crew was beautiful. And he's got some stuff. I mean, that face crank on Alex Nicholson. You remember that? That was a minus 750 face crank. You could hear the sound of that on the TV. It, I just have a hard time seeing him do that to a fellow black belt. And I think the big difference here is the confidence right now. I think that Wellington Terman got back on track his last fight. Now, guys. Don't let the don't let the you know it says it was a split decision with Sam Alvey. Don't let don't let that fool you. The only reason it was a split was because Wellington Termont actually lost two points. So, and I believe Adelaide Bird was the was the one that gave it to Alvey. But I mean, either way, it's unanimous without the without the two point deduction. Um, so it's just a thing where you know there are questions. What if Wellington gets caught? You know, maybe he doesn't have the best chin. He has been knocked out twice. Um, but if this becomes like who wants it more who's got more heart who's who's ready to dig deep i mean i think that that's wellington Terman in this spot so yeah give me wellington Terman to come out here and just pull away down the stretch as long as long as he doesn't get finished in the early going with something i mean i just think that misha Serkunov, like i bet in the gym he's the man um and i know he was able to catch some good guys early on in their careers i just think that 
you know, we're past that now. And I think a hungrier fighter is going to come in here and take his spot. So give me Wellington Terman to edge out the decision. Yeah, man. Um, I've always said I kind of think Serkinov, you know, when fights get tough, he kind of he kind of folds, to be honest. I think that last one, he, he, he was lucky that it was a split decision. I kind of had that three rounds to zip for uh, Kristoff and, and uh, Misha Serkinov at the end of the fight, completely broke in my opinion. He got taken down, which is, you know, something he, he prides himself on uh, by by a point fighter in Jocko as well. So um, I think, uh, yeah, I think Misha Serkinov's best days are behind him. Wellington Thurman, I think all the skills are there to be relevant. I think all the skills are there for him to have a, a successful career. I just think he was young, man. You get thrown into a spot, you're fighting grown men. And, you know, when you're a kid and you don't have that maturity and you can tell when he fought Sanchez, he didn't respect Andrew Sanchez's power at all. I mean, he was just, you know, waving him on in the middle in, in the first round, you know, because he, he did that against Maluco and, uh, you know, he got it against Marcus Perez. And, you know, his confidence was probably up his, his uh, you know, he's probably a little a little arrogant and and i think uh you know andrew sanchez and bruno blindado taught him some some real lessons um i think the bruno blindado fight was just i mean that dude's you know knocking everyone out it's a right different now. level so, yeah you know um imagine what I bruno think, would uh, do to misha and i think that uh you know, his fight with Alvi, even though, yeah, Sam Alvi sucks and Sam Alvi, it's just an opportunity for him to go three rounds without getting knocked out and without, you know, getting his confidence back. Now I think the momentum is on his side. I think he's clearly the more aggressive fighter, clearly the more hungrier fighter. I mean, Misha Serkinov, firstly, when's the last time he knocked out anything? Yeah, exactly. Like, um... I think uh, when's the like the last time he knocked out anything was uh, it's been it's been quite some time. He's this guy's a submission guy. He's gonna Daniel try, Jolly. He's gonna try to he's gonna try to get that submission. It's not gonna happen. All Wellington Thurman needs to do is not make any fatal mistakes. I think that uh, he's gonna push the harder pace. He's gonna move forward and, and just be younger, fresher. This guy Misha's a stiff. Uh, you know, he's been in and out. He's been, you know, doing other things. I, I think that uh, Wellington Thurman is, is gonna get the job done here. And, and kind of, I think it's gonna be a dominant. I think Misha, low-key, this might, don't be shocked if this is one of those performances where everything falls off the table and Wellington just comes out here and dominates him. Main event of the evening, we got an 160-pound catchweight fight between Islam Makhachev, who's 21-1. and You don't often see records like that in MMA. Also on a nine-fight win streak in the UFC, taking on Bobby, the motherfucking King Green, who is 29-12. and And currently, they got Islam Makhachev minus 900. The comeback on Bobby Green is plus 600. So, I mean, listen, man, we're such big fans of Bobby Green. I'll always have a soft spot for Bobby Green, not just for the performances, but back in the day, before I was even on Twitter, before, like, half the battle was a thing, I bet Bobby Green at plus 250 against against Josh Thompson, man. And, you know, obviously you took note when he fought uh, Volkman. Volkman was, like, the most boring fighter in the UFC and the way that Bobby Green overcame adversity. You remember what Dana was saying? Like, if you want, if you want to stick around, fight like Bobby Green. You know, you remember that? And the Pat Healy Clinic. So this dude has been doing his thing for so many years. And it's awesome to see him get this opportunity. But at the same time, 
you know, I, I more so want to see Bobby Green in, in fun fights. And I'm not saying Islam's not a fun fight. I'm saying Islam's more of a top five fighter. Islam's a more of a, you know, potential future title challenger type fighter. I, I don't see Bobby doing as well with the top five guys in the division. I see Bobby doing well, you know, if this is for the BMF belt and you get, you know, a Donald Cerrone, you get, you get another exciting fighter in there with him, a Jorge Masvidal, like those are the fights I want to see Bobby Green in. Um, but props to him for being a real OG and stepping up here. And, you know, I, I'm excited for him. Um, it's just that the way that they match up stylistically, like I, I've been talking about this style for so long, man. I was talking about it with Malcoon. I was talking about it with Jonathan Pierce, Nick Maximov, Marab Dewalishwili, Bilal Muhammad. Like, yeah, I think Bobby Green stuffs the first takedown. I think Bobby Green stuffs the first two takedowns. I think he even stuffs the fourth takedown. I just don't think he stuffs the fifth the sixth the seventh the eighth and eventually i think he does get submitted now the big question here fight goes the distance is plus 250 shack like can bobby green survive all five rounds get this plus 250 uh goes the distance i I'd love to see it. I just personally don't think so with the kind of relentless pressure that Islam brings to the table. Like, again, Islam's not going to tire out after attempting five takedowns. He's not going to tire out after attempting takedowns. But I do think that Bobby Green will start to fatigue, you know, after having to defend over and over. Like I said, early on, there might be some exciting scrambles. Early on, Bobby might get up to his feet. Early on, Bobby might land a jab across, you know, might be taunting him. It might be fun. But at some point, Islam is going to wear him down, and that's going to be when he gets the sub, you know. It has been over 12 years since Bobby Green has been submitted. Like, like there's been a long-ass time, Shaq, but I think it can happen. I think it happens Saturday night, and I think Islam's got a point to prove. Like, oftentimes with matchups like the, like this, guys will play it safe because it's like uh, – um, what is it high risk low reward i don't think that's the case here man i think that islam wants to make a statement i think he does make a statement i think he submits bobby green and i think he gets his title shot and i think we all tip our cap to bobby green i don't want to hear anybody talking any shit about bobby green after this fight bobby green's got all the balls he's got all my respect i'll always love bobby green and thank thank you for cashing that uh that ticket for me against uh nasrat two weeks ago I mean, dude, Bobby, you're the fucking man for just even stepping up to the plate to do this. So we love you, Bobby Green, but we want to see Bobby Green in exciting fights, um, not in top five fights. So Islam wins this fight via submission or ground and pound TKO and secures his title shot and makes it 10 wins in a row. Yeah, I mean, pretty simple, man. I, I love Bobby, but I mean, we're talking about Khabib Jr. here. I mean, this guy, I mean, this guy, Makachev, is nothing to play with, man. I, I've kind of been noticing that for a while now you know kind of didn't want to admit it because you already know when guys like him get around it's like you know what path the division is gonna go on now and you know i'm waiting for that big showdown with him and uh, charles Oliveira one day man i'm like let's see let's grapple you know uh, <laughs> uh, let's fucking grapple. Let's grapple but um i think that uh I think that yeah, man, I, I like Bobby, but let's not be let's not forget Tiago Moises picked this guy up and 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 put him in the air in the first round, um, and carried him over to his corner and everything. So like, if Tiago Moises is doing that, what do you think Islam's gonna do? He doesn't even need to pick him up that high, man. He can just. 
do his thing. Um, I, I think that his ground game is honestly like just too overpowering. Like you saw what he did to Hooker. Hooker, Hooker knows how to grapple, man. Who's <laughs> finished Hooker in the first round? <laughs> like, look, you don't think Hooker knows how to grapple? And I mean, what he did to him, I was like, wow. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> so he is a. Uh, so he is the real dude. He is a future champ, huh? Um, so yeah, man, I got his. Um, I, I see this guy probably getting the belt at at, at some point. Um, it's it's gonna come down to that showdown. Listen, Charles has got to get through his next fight, and and Islam has got to you know um get through his next few fights. So um, I'm gonna go with uh Islam to submit Bobby, man. Probably a Kamara, probably you know some, who knows something like that. Um, You're going Kamara. I'm going Kamara. I'm yeah. going rear naked choke. Uh, I, don't, I don't see Bobby going out to rear naked choke. Maybe Kamara. Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, I just want you know if Bobby listens to this, like you got to understand the kind of respect we have for Bobby just yeah. for stepping up. After and, this fight, let's do Bobby versus you know um, Jim Miller. I mean, you know they. they oh, they've, they've been. They've been yeah, to fight yeah. like three, four times, man. Like, Bobby versus Jim Miller after yeah. this, you know, and yeah. So much respect to. I'd call him, you know, a, a mini legend. Like Bob, yeah. we've been watching Bobby Green ten plus years, man. So really beat down, beating dudes. Up. <laughs> like, dude, Bobby Green is the fucking man. So we're we're grateful that he stepped up. Um, it's it's just a tough matchup. He knows it. We know it. Everybody knows it. So Islam most likely finishes his fight. All right, everybody, do us a favor. Smash that like button for us, and also, um. Leave us some comments, like not here in the chat, but like afterwards on the video, just leave us any comment. Like apparently that helps out the whole thing and hit the like button. Like let's blow this shit up and also do us a favor and share this, retweet it. Like let people know we're out here talking fights and giving out good information. So Shaq, let's talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So in your opinion, my man, what is the fight to watch for UFC Vegas 49? Um, my fight to watch is, is in the lightweight division. Ignacio versus Jurong. I mean, I think it's a prospect showdown. Who who wants to advance themselves? You got two young guys, Jurong being really young. And, you know, Jurong already dyed his hair pink. Um, <laughs> I want to see if Ignacio is going to lose to a guy with pink hair. Um, and Ignacio is coming off that, that uh vicious knockout of, of roosevelt let's see how he he bounces back man i know he got some money in his pocket now i know he's you know living life better these days so let's see that's the fight i'm excited for uh, one uh, one i'm excited for is we've been waiting for this for a while farez yam versus terrence mckinney man like i got my suspicions about terrence mckinney and i think that farez yam hasn't truly shown what he's capable of inside the octagon and i think he will he's just a kid he's young and also, I forgot to mention my breakdown because the whole thing about Terrence grappling this fight, you know that Farez, not only has he been training at Sanford MMA, but he's also been training with Wagner Hosha uh, jiu-jitsu on, you know, on his grappling. So it's not like this guy's out here skipping uh, jiu-jitsu day. So you don't got to worry about that. The only thing is, like, you know, I bet Farez Yama at like plus 110 when they were scheduled to fight the first time. Now he's like uh, minus 125. Just depends where you look. I see a minus 110 somewhere. But that plus money has gone. So now it depends, like, is there still value at minus money? Um, so that's the question I can't wait to to have answered. But yeah, um, Farez Yam versus Terrence McKinney is my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch? Um, my fighter to watch is going to be... Man, I'm going to say... I'm gonna say Wellington Thurman, man. I mean, look, he's a, he's a young kid. I think he's got a good opportunity this weekend. You know, you got Serkinov, a guy that's been in the top 15 um, at 205 pounds. Now he's trying his uh, 185 thing. I think he's showing signs of one in the way out, man. 
Um, I think this is a good opportunity for Wellington. Let's see if he passes it. And and th- th- maybe this will, you know, kind of ease up some of those past, uh, you know, performances, man, you know, where he did get knocked out. And, and now Wellington uh, gets back on track. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, for me, my fighter to watch is actually on the first fight of the night. And that's Carlos Hernandez. He's a UFC newcomer. I was so impressed with his contender series fight that I was literally tweeting on the night. Like, Dude, put him in there with like Tim Elliott right now. That's where I thought his skill level was at. And I want to see if I'm right because, you know, under the actual bright lights of the UFC, I know it's the same. It's the exact same venue that he fought on Contender Series. It's just there's different stakes on the line in the UFC, especially your UFC debut. And I want to see if he comes out here and rises to the occasion because he's got a very tough opponent in front of him, a guy that's not going to quit. And we already know Hernandez has zero quit in his heart. So I just want to see... I want to gauge the potential of Hernandez on this UFC debut. And for that reason, he is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going on Saturday night live at the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Everybody, thank you all so much for being here. We truly appreciate it. And do us that favor. Hit that like button, comment, share, retweet, everything. Like, let's get it out there. You can follow Shaq on Twitter at MMA Genius 5 You can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. Use that code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100. And y'all, check out uh, the interview I did with Dawoon Jung. Like, first time I've ever had an interpreter. And I thought, like, we put on a fucking show. Like, sometimes with these other interviews, like when there's an interpreter and a language barrier it can be like boring as fuck and everything is lost in translation like dude the interpreter we had like was charismatic and like really killed it so i thought we had one of the best conversations i've had with any fighter and it was pretty awesome so y'all make sure you check that out shack and i will be back for the next card uh next thursday so thank you all so so much and until the next time let's catch these bets